16, 17, 21, 69. You, you've already gone higher than I can count. All right, I only have so many fingers. Every male should be able to count to 69. Yeah, we skipped. There went our family-friendly rating. Thanks, Doc. You're going to give Casey a run for her money. All right, so... Good thing we're not monetized on YouTube yet, because that's not happening now. We'd have to give the money back. <laughs> so, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans, and all three of us are here this time. Nick, proof of life, he's even sober-ish. Wait, uh, wait, does the audience actually know which one Nick is, though, anymore? Yeah, it's right there in the bottom left <laughs> corner of my, my video. It has my Good name thing on we it. we market to readers. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place, and shenanigans, they all happen here. So, without further ado, we put the fun and dysfunctional, and today, we bring you <laughs> into this shit show, Peter Nealon. So, can you please introduce yourself to our guests? Or to our guests, Hello. to our listeners, readers, viewers, peoples. Damn you, Doc. Everybody. Introduce yourself to everybody. All right. So I'm Pete Nealon, been writing for about 10 years now. Um, before that, I was a recon Marine for eight years. And uh, in the between, I've done quite a bit of uh, overseas contracting in the past. Okay, okay. Right. Well, uh, we are military military is mostly That's, that's professional speak for uh, mercenary, but with a focus. I thought it was professional. Not I'm not going to go into that. PMCs, they're awesome. What company did you work for? Sock. Okay. So it would be cooler if I was contracting for the federal government, which is not quite the same as being a merc. It would have sounded cooler if you'd be like, that's classified. I could tell you, but I had to kill you. Like, just lean into it. Go for the <laughs> spook. Totally. I'd do it if I could. Totally no one would it. believe me, go. though. Nobody but, believes uh, you anyway, JR. This is, this is also true. <laughs> But uh, so the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is we tell them how we found the guest. So I actually found Peter before uh, this interview in the first one in a it's now closed. But uh, it was a military authors, military veterans who were authors group, but apparently too many pictures of guns and they closed it down. I don't know. Dang you, Zuckerberg. Uh, so that's how I first met him. Um, what about you guys? Did you know of him before he came to the show? I knew of him because you talked about him. And because we've interviewed him previously, but really not so much from anything else. So, so uh, Nick, you were you were super secret squirrel. He was super secret squirrel. Did you like know each other because you have some sort of secret handshake or telepathy? No, because I am a dinosaur super secret squirrel. Uh, Meaning you're old and you move slow. Yeah, that's exactly with trick knees. With trick knees. Yeah, but I lift heavy things out of. We all have down. trick knees. Yeah, this is true. Jump off of good airplanes. It does a number on you. Or off of perfectly good strikers. That sounds almost as cool, right? No. You could you could at least try to fake it for me, Nick. Even I mean, I'm you, old and even I know it's not cool. You gotta call a spade a spade, man. You were dirty nasty leg and that's leg the lives matter. Where's that no, stupid no. banner for the bottom? Leg lives matter. No, I I, no. I had no knowledge of Pete till you hit me up. It's like, hey man, we're gonna have this uh, marine raider on. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, it's already cool with me. Technicality, I was recon. I was not Marcy. Not a raider. Okay. No. Well, you ate crowns, and that's, that's cool enough. Lo siento, please forgive me. 
Well, I, I've, that's that's something I have to correct people on fairly often. I had to do it in the uh, kind of the build up to this book. That, no, these guys are recon. They're not Marsoc. Not the same thing. Yeah. They're, came out Marsoc came out of recon, but different mission set, different uh, chain of command. Marsoc works for SOCOM. Recon works for the Marine Corps. See, I always okay. thought recon. Was you got sort your two like, cools, right? You got your scuba bubble and your and your jump wings. All right. I, 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 was, I know there was some weird division not too long ago, if memory serves, where they were like, "Hey, we're going to be the Raiders, and then this is going to be that." Okay. When before Marsoc it all used to be Force. Marsoc got stood up in 2007, and they disbanded the Force companies to build it, and then Headquarters Marine Corps realized after the fact, oh wait. We you just gave up that capability to SOCOM and they're working for SOCOM and not for the Marine Corps. And we're not just getting SOCOM money. What the hell? And then we stood forced back up in 2008. Which is so weird because the, the Corps fought that SOCOM money for so long. So long. Like 70s, 80s, 90s. They and got it. They went for it and then and still didn't quite get what they were doing. That's the problem when you get absorbed into the fold is that... Uh, yeah, you don't belong to your branch anymore. You're you're some sort of hybrid Rainbow Six bullshit. Yeah. So. I but feel the, like my little ponies are involved here. No, we just like rainbows with bullseyes I, on. Them. I did convince a marine to write my little space ponies. Does that oh, count? was it in crayon? No, he, he's <laughs> he in theory can read with regular pens, but this is not this marine. We have interviewed him though. I did know oh. I, I did know a guy on contract who was trying to get somebody to take the call sign Brony. Didn't get any takers. Oh, I, I would took it in a heartbeat. I bet there's somebody who uses that one in the four horsemen. <laughs> oh, I would have taken that call sign in a heartbeat. Brony? Oh yeah, this dude <laughs> just got off by Brony four. <laughs> All right, I brought so, uh, dishonor to his whole family. Shame to you and shame to your whole family. All right, Doc. And your coconuts. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to save us from Nick. Please do. It needs to be done. So star here's your religion question. Starship troopers, aliens, or Halo Ford unto Dawn? Aliens. Why aliens? Really? You're going to ask that question? I already know the answer. That, that Marines, for one, and two, it's a hell of a lot better action flick than either of the other two. Fair enough. And it is the last Alien movie, so. Aliens is the cornerstone of mill sci-fi, as far as I know. I Long thought movie, that was good. Yes. Well, I mean, you can, it's a toss-up between Aliens and Predator. I think they're on the same the same line there. If you say so. Drink your mm. wine. I will drink my wine and love it. My friend gave me a wine advent calendar. It's been glorious. It's almost February. I didn't say I only had one, did I? <laughs> it's the perfect size bottle. Welcome to the suck, Pete. <laughs> That's why I have so Bourbon here. Uh, you know, I normally go for bourbon, but not tonight. Uh, so, I have Lord to, of the I have Rings. To, I was going to say, I have to wait till after the show to drink because someone has to be the designated driver. I'm not driving anywhere, so. I'm not driving anywhere. 
I'm going to drive my old ass to the couch after this. <laughs> You're not even going to get that far. So, it's Lord of the Rings, Mulan. Um, and you have to specify, hopefully you say that the not the live action. No, and it actually says right here in the notes, 1998. I think not, the, the animation one came out in 1998. Yeah. And no, the live action one also came out in 98. It just didn't release in the U.S. in 98. Thank you. Look it up. I did. I oh. you looked up the right thing. I don't think you. If I'm wrong, I don't want anybody right. to tell me. Do not write that in the comment section in the Facebook group. Just it let me have my delusions. In the section in the Facebook group, I guarantee it. No. <laughs> so, or the Thirteenth Warrior. Ooh. Lord of the Rings, the Thirteenth Warrior, a really close second. See, one might consider Lord of the Rings a hiking movie. There's heads getting chopped off. It's not a not a hiking movie. <laughs> I mean, they did walk a lot in Lord of the Rings. I give them that. The the Hobbit. I mean, sorry, the Hobbits did. They walked a lot. Everybody else was wrecking shop and stacking bodies. <laughs> I know. That's why the Hobbits are so cute and innocent. They wreck some house and stack some bodies themselves too. But yeah, good. and a few places. So, are you tied, or are you going to pick one? No, he said Lord of the Rings, close second, 13th Warrior. The okay. fireworm is awesome. So, 13th Warrior is hands down the best version of Beowulf that's ever been put to film. Agreed. Yes. I'm just impressed that Nick understands literary references. So, before he tries to find a witty comeback. <laughs> just like uh, Mark Grunt. What is it that you love about sci-fi or fantasy? Um, I probably got into it with uh, Star Wars when I was a kid. boy. And uh, right, I found a lot better stuff than Star Wars since then. But yeah, it, I like to... I like to write it because it gets away from some of the other stuff that I write, which is sometimes a little bit too real world. Uh, I can stretch a little bit more with science fiction and fantasy. And there's a little bit more freedom, a little more creative freedom to. So what's your first memory of speculative fiction? Was it Star Wars or was it something else? I think it was probably the uh, one of the the little kids Star Wars picture books from I don't remember how long ago, long time. In a galaxy far, far away. I think I have some in the library. Because <laughs> I was collecting Star Wars is my thing. You have a lot of things. Then I got into. Uh, Eventually, as I got older and read more, got into uh, Lester Del Rey, um, Heinlein's Juveniles, which are still his best work. Um, and eventually, the likes of David Drake and guys like that. Drake's a really nice old, old. 11, 11 or 12 year old, whenever I first picked up Hammer Slammers, is, that was. 
Okay. Defining book. Isn't that what you read on the way to boot camp? What's that? I was asking Doc, isn't that what she said she read on the way to boot camp? No, it was not. It was uh, March Up Country. My mom gave me a book before I got to boot camp because she goes, when you're done, just give it to your drill sergeants because I'm sure they'll like it too. And it was March, I think it was March Up Country by David Weber and John Ringo. Okay. So we oh, there, finally admitted it in the chat. Yes, I Googled it. I, I was going to try to do 2020, so it was all current movies. And that's where the live action came in. And then I couldn't find the theme I wanted, so I went farther back. And I wrote it in my notes wrong. I oh, messed Mulan up. Is Three out of four panelists agree that you were wrong as you said it. But yeah, let, yeah, yeah. We let you run with it because <laughs> there's nothing more entertaining than foot in Jerry's mouth. Two strikes. Yeah, again. I, yeah, I do that all the time. So I did get my obligatory one crown joke in. I'm told uh, Walt said he would. He threatened me with bodily harm if I got too many. But they'd take away my blue cord if I didn't do it at least once. It's a true story. So uh, we've talked about why you love to write speculative fiction because it gives you some freedom from the from the real world stuff. But just overall, what do you love about it as a genre, just as a both as a writer and as a consumer of content? Well, it just it's it gets you away from the mundane. And some of sometimes it touches on things that the here and now can't quite wrap its arms around, particularly in the fantasy realm, depending on who's writing it. If it's Tolkien or Gene Wolfe they get into some some of the stuff that a lot of others can never even touch gets in a kind of a little bit more metaphysical type stuff okay um so how did your love of speculative fiction as a consumer transition into you deciding to write stories in this space well i wanted to be a science fiction writer originally and that goes back to high school and was reading some of the the tie-in wing commander novels that bane put out back in the day and i, See, like, I told you i how do you like the movie awful oh, See, i enjoyed the movie but i hadn't i hadn't read the books until i was after a I watched game it. fan long before the movie came out and the movie See, just completely blew everything that had been built up that's why i liked it because I didn't know any better because I didn't read the books until after the movie. No. I think that is really no. the key to happiness with those kind of properties. Bill Fortune <laughs> did a little bit too much, just filed the serial numbers off of the Pacific War and pilot swapped the Japanese with the Kilrathi in those books. But yeah, I was in high school, space battles are cool. Always. And I wanted more, so I started tinkering with writing some of my own of same sort of stuff. It was Wing Commander with the serial numbers fuck off because I was in high school. No one will ever see those manuscripts ever. How much? How much would they have to pay you to see them? We all have a price. Billions. <laughs> One billion dollars. All right. So I think that's the only mil military sci-fi that Lackey ever did. Possibly. And she only did one. Yeah. Well, I read okay. hers. I read almost anything Lackey puts out. Fair. 
Um, so many authors let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So are there any specific formidable moments that shape you as a storyteller? Well, mostly what I write is combat. And uh, I don't, I, I've made no bones for several years about the fact that none of, particularly none of my military thriller stuff is autobiographical. Um, because I did, I did a couple of combat tours in Iraq, a shorter one in Afghanistan, and then I contracted for years. And yeah, I got in a few fights, but nothing near like the kind of stuff that I write. But the training, the experience of actually being in a firefight, that all goes in whether it's in the, the military science fiction stuff, the military fantasy stuff like The Lost or, uh, or my uh, military thriller stuff, which I've done a lot more of. So have you ever found that when you're incorporating that military stuff into your writing that some of the stuff that you actually experienced, if you wrote that, nobody would actually believe it? Oh, not the Humvee incident, Jerry. I wasn't not, gonna go there. I'm just asking him. He's the guest. Not really. <laughs> I had a I had a fairly ordinary set of deployments. Okay. The, it didn't help that most of the time the, the commanders who we were attached to had no idea how to use recon, so yeah, well, at least that's not just true in the court, it's true in the military or in the army as well. I thought of there you just tell recon go here and you let them figure out everything else. If you weren't a officer control freak, that would make sense. But if you're terrified of anybody doing anything that might potentially reflect badly in your OER down the road. There oh, it is. See, I'm much more like, hey, I didn't have to deal with it. So the other problem with the Marine Corps is, uh, were you in there after the Haditha incident? Were you overseas after that? I think that was what, 05? I went, I was, I first uh, ended up in country in fall of 05. So, so right they would have all been running gun shy after that with the witch hunt that that became. And we won't go into it because it's political, but, but that does affect how the rules of engagement are interpreted. Oh, and the yeah, later in the war, the, yeah, the later in the war, the crappier they got for everybody. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right, Nick, you're on deck. Oh, he knows what he's doing. He's a little. I really don't. <laughs> I'm gonna wing it like I've done everything in my life so far, and it's worked out pretty, pretty good so far. So. Ish, pretty good. Ish. ish. Okay, yeah, yeah, ish. Ish. We'll go with ish. <laughs> well, speaking of military science fiction, um, your bio uh, states that you were part of uh, Uncle Sam's misguided children. Um, do love my baby brothers. Um, do you think your time there affects the uh, stories that you tell? I know yeah. we kind of glossed over it, but every with the exceptions of the military science fiction that I've written, which is set far, far in the future, where nobody even knows exactly where Earth is anymore. If it, it's there's even anything left of it, but that that one exception, all of my main characters are all former Marines. Either recondos or regular grunts. Well, that's good. That's going to lead to our next question, which is, have you ever drawn people that 
drawn from people that you knew in the military all the time guys i've worked with in the core guys i've worked with on contract at least at least one is a character and he knows he's a character and apparently he uh he gave his mom a copy of the book and said uh i'm in it i'm probably gonna die because pete kills everyone you should give your red shirts like the shirt i was killed in a peter neeland book and all i got was a stupid t-shirt there was actually a guy I was working on a contract a few years back who bugged me constantly. Put it, put him in a book, put him in a book. So I put him in a third American Praetorian book and uh, promptly blew him in half with an IED. Oof. Uh, route mobile. The worst way to go. You know what? Jay I told him. The entire reason oh, to start man. writing is so that you can just kill people. Yeah. I, I warned him. I I warned him. You keep pestering me. You you might end up in it, but you might not like what happens. You're gonna be in a book, but you ain't gonna like the outcome, bud. You know what? Every time my name has appeared in a book, with the exception of one circumstance, I've been a villain. You're definitely a villain in my so comic that, book universe. That checks out. I, I approve. The funny thing is, it does. It even happens when they didn't know me when they put the name in. No, I know you. Okay. You're the Spider Queen in the Apogee universe as the main villain. Spider Queen. Um, that will be that will be interesting art to see. But we will move on. Oh, I'm going to draw it too. That's the thing. You get to see me draw Siska. Oh God. I I might pay money to have a copy of that just to laugh. Maybe we frame it next to the picture of her blushing with it. That'd be hilarious. She's fully clothed in it, bud. Calm down. <laughs> Incest is not best, Jr. Stop it. Well, it depends on what part of Arkansas you're in. <laughs> and everyone from Arkansas can send their hate mail to Nick Garber at blasphemypodcast.com. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> does your time in well, service uh, affect the kind of stories that you engage with as a reader? Yeah. Uh, if, if it's a military story and the author has not done their research... It's probably going to get uh, tossed into the tossed at the wall. Absolutely, one of the uh, zombie Tom Clancy novels. Uh, after he was dead, I got about I want to say about a quarter to a third of the way through, and when uh, old boy is leaping through the air, double fisting Glocks, shooting at the bad guys with friendlies downrange, I chucked it. So that's legit. That's yeah, reasonable. To get, uh, reasonable uh, reasons to get upset. If you ever rocked guns akimbo in Halo, you know you're not hitting shit. So, 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 how long? Um, how much latitude do you give authors to be creative in their space with tactics? Given if they say this is what this weapon platform is capable of, now let me use it creatively. Are you going to give them room to be creative if it at least makes sense on a smell test, or are you going to be strict to the book as you understand it? To the book is in the tactics you were taught. If it makes sense in the smell test. Okay. As far as tactics go, tactics change all the time. That's uh, true. Especially having been in the business for a long time, I've seen tactics do all sorts of weird loopy things. And hey, try this out. And like doctrine from before is like, no way, that's stupid. There's why would I do that? And then you try it out and like, holy crap, that actually worked. 
Okay. Uh, so, but if if it has, if it makes sense within the story, and it's still a good story, and it's not abjectly stupid, I might consider. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. If it's old boy going through the uh, through the door with an M14 on full auto, no, that's dumb. I just recently read a book, and the author describes a M16 as a big gun, and I'm like, it's not that big. No. Luckily, that is the one and only time she does it. My like, favorite is there's a British author. Any kind of gun. There's a British author who recalled every machine gun. It was an assault rifle. And I'm like, okay, you're overusing the term. I know it's it's in the news today, but come on. Everything is not an assault rifle. I know it's chic. It's a very specific definition. Yeah. Well, first so. of all, assault rifle is it's not a thing. Well, assault weapon is not a thing. Assault rifle is a select fire rifle and an intermediate cartridge. No, they got a term for well, they got a definition behind the term now. That's good. Um, I like an assault rock. I think it gets street cred. Well, the 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 assault rifle comes from the German Sturmgewehr, which was okay. designed so that an assaulting force could lay down its own cover fire without needing a uh, machine gun organic to the unit. Specifically, like it's a select fire weapon in an intermediate caliber, so it's not a full size battle rifle and it's capable of full automatic fire which all of these politicos throwing around assault weapons don't understand that don't know it and they're talking about semi-autos and calling them assault weapons which they're not i like assault rocks those aren't banned yet so all right doc it's your favorite set of questions remember we edited them they're not quite the way they used to be that's just because you wanted to see if you could trip me up, and you're going to be wrong. So, getting into some of the fan stuff, have you had any cool fan art or somebody cosplay one of your characters yet? There was uh, one individual who did a digital drawing of the uh, <clears throat> the main character in my American Petroleum series. I've also seen a few people try to build set uh, gear and weapon setups based on some of my characters and teams in a couple of my series, particularly usually an M14, M1A setup for American Praetorians because the main character used a SOCOM 16. Not because I own one or anything, of course not. Um, that would be random. Does that make his weapon setup tax deductible? Asking for a friend. Work research may have uh, bought some guns and ammo and gear tax deductible uh, for my contracting work. Okay. I know a dude who okay. wrote off ten thousand dollars worth of guns one year. This, uh, I need a better now I'm going to have to call my tax consultant and see what we can work out. <laughs> Yeah, I could justify it because it was, all for, it was all for training or specifically for work. So I started okay. taking a lot of gear to work because why would I use the crap the issue? Fair. All right. Keep going so, with the fandom questions. Don't don't hold back, Doc. Uh, I'm just waiting for you to stop talking about your mommy. So Wait, 
your tax Ooh. consultant. No, H&R Block. Jeez, why don't they sponsor? Well, because you just made fun of them. That's why H&R Block won't sponsor us. Thanks, Doc. Thanks. <laughs> now you so, want to make a bourbon because he was going to buy some with the money we were going to get. Oh, JR, it's all fine. Anyways, so has anyone asked for your autograph out in public? I already told Nick I'd give him bourbon if he ever managed to find me. I mean, yeah. Um... I've uh, taken books to sell locally sometimes, and yeah, people want autographs then. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I never buy a book from an author without getting an autograph. There's no point. So, what was the first time that you signed a book in, like? Oy. <laughs> it was like holding a pen. Yeah, it was like holding, holding a pen and scribbling my illegible scrawl across the title page. Um, like all good authors do. Did you yeah. date it? Wait, we're What's supposed that? to date them when we sign them? No, not you that dated, kind of... it adds yeah, extra you, value. The, the date, the time... No, not I date I knew them. that. Jeez, Nick, it's not that bad. I didn't know that. Right. No one ever... You don't ask them out for coffee. I mean, I guess you could. Take your shot, bud. I, I don't date them. No, I just sign them. I'm just teasing. Besides, it's really fun to watch JR trip over his own feet about the concept of a date of any kind. Ouch. I'm going to go cry in my That's corner rough. now. All right. Go get your whoopee. It'll be fine. Let the hazing continue, right, until morale improves? <laughs> Pretty much. It's going to make uh, a stronger man. So have you spotted somebody reading one of your books out in the wild? He's been putting up with this for years. I have not specifically, but uh, apparently there was somebody who came by the uh, the farmer's market this last uh, summer who had found one of mine in a used bookstore somewhere on the other side of the country and said, oh, wow, I need all the rest of these. Awesome. That's awesome. So before we move on real quick, so the um, fan art that you got, is that something that you would be able to share with your readers if they wanted to sign up for your newsletter? Yeah, you maybe share it next it. month and you, if you can find it. So there you go. He might be. You might be able to see that that awesome fan art if you uh, if you follow him. Join the newsletter. Do the things, people. So you do the thing. I'm gonna do the thing. We're gonna talk about. I have still have one more fan question. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah he, she does. Jesus, I can't count tonight. All right, ask the fan question. Chair can do math. So math what is hard. Your it's not that hard. That's what she said. We do 10 base math and you have 10 fingers and 10 toes. You'll be fine. This may be why my son doesn't come to me for math homework problems, but he does have an A in math. So, well, you're doing something. Anyways, <laughs> God knows what. I don't know. Um, have you, what is your funniest or weirdest interaction with a fan that you feel comfortable sharing? Well, there was uh, one individual who was absolutely convinced, no matter how many times I told him otherwise, that uh, at least my first novel was a novel, was a fictionalized version of and real mission that I had actually been on. But it wasn't. No, not. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> but uh, he did not want to, uh, didn't want to hear it. 
He was absolutely sure. I just couldn't tell him. He was, he was kind of classified. I've noticed that among somebody like, and that person is a diehard fan. You you want them? They're going to buy everything you put on paper, but you can't convince them otherwise. But they have built up in their head as this meant this. Okay, and just as long as they stop before the weird psycho, you have to hire a security before they start going Robert De Niro in the fan. Yeah. Oh no, I I know somebody crazy. who had. She wrote a novel that is also a book involving a cult. Written. Somebody decided that it was about their cult. That was a problem. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure Peter would be okay if they came to a, came a knocking. I mean, he's probably got like a rifle in every room or a shotgun or something. He'll be okay. No I you know what? So we'll just say that Peter is very secure in his security. Uh, you I had know, a fan question about a fictional cult I had in my in my comic. What? Like, how do you know about this? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, first, I just I just drew it. I just drew the thing. I, I didn't write the story. He's like, well, how did the writer know about the cult? I'm like, we ask him. We made it out of thin air, guy. Like, it's a. It's, it, we thought we thought it was a fictional cult. Like, how do you know? About All right, this? so we we don't want to get too weird and scare scare everyone. But if, if you sound interested, if you're interested, you can go to his Apogee website. It's all linked in the show notes, and you can buy the dang thing and find out for yourself. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. Miss Stabby's going to get them if he doesn't sell another one. So do your part, people. a new pair of shoes, too, a new set of Vans she got off Poshmark. That's a I don't know. We're going to move on, and we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. They picked a fight with the wrong species. A nation at war. The United Stars of America, born in the conflagration of an unprovoked alien attack, the newest entrant to galactic politics, took the few crumbs of hypertech gifted to it and ran with them, soon expanding over dozens of star systems and establishing a wide trade network, protected by its powerful navy and the dreaded warp marines. In a fight to the death, a single marine platoon tasked with protecting an embassy on a hostile alien planet, an embassy and the fragile human enclave around it that soon finds itself surrounded by armed mobs. Can the Marines at a ragtag band of civilian and Navy personnel survive long enough to be rescued? All right. Yeah, we shield. All right. We're done shilling now. All right. Commercial <laughs> is over. Let us move on. Jeez, Nick, I can dress you up, but I can't take you anywhere. Yeah, but I look good wherever I go because I'm dressed up. It does. It does. So this is the part where we talk about everything Peter has written. Peter Nealon, um, can you give us the Reader's Digest version of your your body of work? uh, What have you put out? Okay. I have one completed series called the American Praetorian Series, which is predominantly following a PMC against initially jihadi terrorists and eventually narcos and uh, sinister forces in the United States itself. That's five books completed in 2017. Uh, Shortly thereafter, I started the Brannigan's Blackheart series, the 10th of which, Blood Debt, just came out back in December. And that is a bit more of a... uh, bit more of a 80s style 
action adventure each one each there's a continuity but each book is still somewhat standalone mercs get the job mercs go do the job lots of people get shot or blown up and uh on to the next one then uh in 2019 i started the maelstrom rising series which is essentially my grunt's eye view of what would the next world war look like if it started in the next five to ten years unfortunately the real world seems to be hell-bent on catching up and rendering that timeline a little overly optimistic <laughs> oh, wow um i've also got uh a military science fiction space opera series through Athon books called the unity wars which was my take on what if the clone wars weren't dumb and that is uh, fair but then it wouldn't be star wars i don't think the clone wars were dumb i liked the clone wars but okay and and have you watched the bad batch oh my god hey you know how you know a star wars fan they're the ones crying as they watch it in pain no just when we watch the book of boba fett don't get me started on that I get, you, you've you've gotten a lot farther than I have, Nick. I gave up on Star Wars years ago. You want to? Oh, you should see. There are three. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. Anytime you want to come out down to sunny San Diego and come visit, you can hang out. Nobody wants to go to San Diego. They do, they do because I have the Star Wars room, and it's the best thing you're going to find outside of Skywalker Ranch. Uh, I have a. Star I have a six Wars foot track. two biker scout just chilling. There are three movies. They're awesome, but. It's too bad they were they never made any past the three. I can appreciate uh, that. If you want to be even sadder for all of you uh brown coats out there, the people that made Boba Fett are gonna be making the new version of Firefly. Gross for Disney. <laughs> and, and half my soul just died because yeah. I am a so on that down I am a lifelong brown coat. All of those books sound fascinating, but today we're going to talk about ice and monsters. So where did you get the premise for this universe? How did you come up with it? Was it psychedelics, a Ouija board, overindulging in expired MREs? I've actually had one of those, and that was not a good time. Um, <laughs> been there, brother. I've been there. So corned beef and hash alone. <laughs> actually, a few, uh, few months back, Nick Cole hits me up and says, I have a project in mind if you're interested. Oh, shit. Uh -oh. When Nick Cole asks if you're interested in doing a project as a writer, you, you say, say yes. yes. That's so, what you're supposed to say. He, yeah, it's uh, like talking to Zool. He sent me a reader's <laughs> uh, copy of Forgotten Ruin. Okay, so... All right, I'm going to let you continue, and then I have questions. All right. <laughs> I read it. I have sarcastic comments. I, I read for I read it and uh, got the wheels were starting to turn. I asked, and so you want me to write a spinoff in this universe? He says, "No, we want your series in this genre." Not a okay. genre. So, being me, it had to be recon marines instead of rangers. And, well, I mean, uh, everybody. There's nothing wrong with the Kirkland brand, bro. <laughs> okay. And I say with love. I say with love. I respect what you guys do. Some of my, All right. some of my best friends are. 
<laughs> Let's replace that uh, Rangers lead the way with a quick, swift, silent, deadly, and we'll we'll call it. Uh, I'll give you that. That's actually you. cooler. <laughs> uh, All right, Nick, Nick. You need a moment. You gonna you gonna recover from that answer? Oh, we broke him. All right, the army so started it. We're we're gonna save him with some glorious art. So swift. <laughs> no, you Sorry, forgot swift. Swift, you Brussels sprout. That wasn't me. Don't blame me for that one. All right. So you before we dig, it's not Jr's fault. He's broken. It's the armies. It's not his fault. He's a leg. I mean, it is his fault because he didn't volunteer. But whatever. I got hurt before I could. So you hush. But uh, before we dig into all of that, uh, we're gonna take a moment and look at this glorious cover. So can you? I see what you did there, Nick. Leg lives matter, people. No, they don't. No, they don't. Wait, can I'm we... sorry. <laughs> uh, let's do it this way there we oh, go that's freaking so can you uh tell us how this glorious piece of art came to be well it's that cold. was pretty much uh jason set that up and uh sent me the the initial part and initially it did, didn't have the trees but Given where it was supposed to be set, I said it needs some needs the trees and it needs some uh, some red eyes under the trees. There's no red. If you look hey, real closely, there are, uh, are zoom there in. monster eyes. There okay. they are. There, there they are. They're towards the base of the trees, they're laying. They look way. like people who are hungover. No, I'm kidding. It is ice and monsters. And there's a lot of monsters. I'm glad we zoomed in because for a second I thought that little glowy thing was a um, reflector belt. I'm like, did he go full no, army? It's a, it's a <laughs> I did. I did ask, what's with the glow sticks? And the answer was to sell books. Yeah, that sells nobody's books? wearing glow sticks as their COVID. No, but you can't have it all dark. Yeah, that, it, yeah, that's true. Kind of, yeah, <clears throat> it was for some contrast and some. But yeah, I really Nick, dig though. Artsy fartsy guy. I was getting ready to go into artsy fartsy mode, and you're over here running your. I'm not going to say it. Drink your bourbon, Doc. He's busy doing grown up artist stuff. <laughs> ah, Jesus. Continue, Nick. Some of the things I really enjoy about this yeah, there's some contrast here with the light and dark. Um, it really pops out the central figure, which the, um, the air vapor that is being chilled coming out of his mouth makes him look like a really badass Santa Claus, which I dig um, because he's checking a list and he, he's got a list and he's checking it twice and he's going to throw some hate towards some monsters. So I definitely dig that. Um, it, it does have a lot of drama in the piece. You know, it does. Um, set I like some the detail tension. around the lettering, to be honest. That and that's really cool too. I was just about to mention that the, uh, the type typography that you have going on here and i don't know who's in control of that but whoever was did a really fantastic job um it's a it's a big gamble to put texture inside text um especially when it's ice on an ice background you know so there's a possibility that it could be lost um but i, I think overall it's really awesome i think the text works well with the uh the imagery that we have in the background and uh and I love the little, you really have to zoom in to see the eyes. So I, did, I think that's really cool, too, because that's things that most of your readers aren't going to notice. But your your guys that like to really zoom in and, and really take in the artwork and be like, oh, my God, there's eyes in the tree line, you know. 
and probably well, what I like about it is honestly you're gonna pull in some of the guys who like the Tom Clancy books with that well, kind of a cover. Well, I mean, after you bash Tom, I, I'm afraid to admit that I was a or currently am a Tom Clancy fan, but I haven't read anything of Tom Clancy since Rainbow Six, so you I know, don't Mr. care. Books. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. If does it I, count if, if it was written after he died when it was the zombie writer as no. Tom Clancy book? <sighs> No, it doesn't. No, but I mean, you're going to pull in some of the people who necess who um, maybe kind of edging into fantasy, but not quite. Because like some of Tom Clancy and some other stuff would be very urban SF, even. So um, yeah, I mean, and a lot so of them, yeah. You're pull in some of those people because oh, Tom Clancy. So. In the strictest sense of the word, Tom Clancy was writing science fiction by the time it was over. Yeah. No, I can agree with that. With his obsession with gadgets. And, and push <laughs> Oh, this, uh, are you talking about Splinter Cell? Because, God, I well, wish I, mean, I had some of that stuff. But yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it has kind of well, that, almost, about, that vibe. You know, the, the, books, particularly like Executive Orders and particularly The Bear and the Dragon, where. Well, yeah, it started well, getting a little. But we're so not here to talk. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, I, I, I'm going to start skipping questions if we don't tar, start you talking about the book. A leash helmet on. Uh, I or was just going to say we're, we're not here to. Oh, uh, we we lost him. He, he left. We're not here to talk about Tom Clancy. He's not as cool as Peter. So let's talk about Peter's book. Now we are talking Nick, about next Peter's question. Book. Peter's cool. Look at the cover. He let you glue drool over. I know, and I just talked it up too. It's a really cool cover. All right, now, so now we're let's moving talk on. The book. Well, JR, if you let me finish a damn sentence, I can no. go on to moving on to the book itself, no. where I can ask Peter about his 30 second elevator pitch for this novel. But you're not going to let me do that, are you? You're not going to let me do that. <laughs> are we done? Yeah, we put yeah, the phone we're, in this we're done. Okay. We were having a moment. Oh, my God. Welcome to the show. Um, right. Moving on to the book itself. Uh, can you give us your 30-second elevator pitch for this novel? So, a recon platoon is on a Marine Expeditionary Unit float off the coast of Norway doing an amphibious insert to a training op outside of Trondheim. And it's July, but a they end up going into a fog bank. And when they come out of the fog bank, they're not in Kansas anymore. And uh, the first inkling they get of this is when a bunch of sea trolls come up out of the ocean and start trying to eat their faces off. That would do it. So, so will you ever get into how that transition happened? Is that something that we get answers for? I don't know. Maybe. Fair. They're still guessing. Just Eric Flint it with like he did in sixteen thirty two. Maybe the reader knows, but they don't ever have to know. Ooh, that's always a nice little touch. But well, there's so many books. Portal there's, fantasy there's, and alternate history aren't new to me. As the as the uh, as the series progresses, there are some indicators that someone or something reached across space in time to pull them in. Hmm. Do you touch Ooh. into uh, Norse mythology at all? I dipped much more into 
Irish mythology. Ooh, oh. boy. Um, well, the uh, the spellings changed a little bit, and the O has disappeared from the front of my name. There used to be an O on my last name, and uh, so there's a bit of my own heritage that I dug into for that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of Irish, a little bit of Finnish mythology mixed in with it. That's really cool that you you were able to merge those two things together. That's nice. I like so, the old stories. If you're listening to your reader and you have a favorite myth or you want to link to some really cool uh, source material, we'd love for you to do that in the uh, in the Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen. Just no more ancient Egyptian stuff. We've had our fill. But I love Stargate. Yeah, who doesn't? Moving on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I'm very interested in this series, but I, I really want to hear from the, the author's tongue of what you think is particularly special about this. Well, like I said, I, I, I tried to go into a lot. I've, I've found that a lot of fantasy over the last couple of decades has become very derivative of itself. And I like to go back to the old stories, the kind of the roots that it came out of, because some of them are absolutely badass. Are you yeah. talking like, uh, you know, back when it was tribalism and you're gathered around the campfire and you're telling those types of stories? Is that what yeah, you're talking those, about? Those types of stories. Those are awesome. And I love those. Those those are probably the best and the most interesting. And and, and they they teach about the world around you is what I always found. When you, when you... Right. That's that's what they were always about in the first place. Right. Was it's a dangerous world out there, and sometimes you need a little bit more of an outlandish story to really get home just how dangerous it really is. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent agree. That's yeah. great that you you incorporated that. Oh, yeah. There's especially as, as the series goes on, you'll see that uh, a lot of the monsters didn't necessarily start out as monsters okay they kind of a lot of them started out as men and their their choices on a moral and mystical level changed them okay so do you play a lot with those moral questions or is it more incidental byproduct of the larger story yes and no um i'd say yes to both a lot of it's very much in the background. It, it is very much an action story. There's a lot of a lot of shooting monsters in the face. I'm but in. you do. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, and a lot of... Uh, we just came ashore with one combat load. We have zero support. We have zero uh, resupply. And... Ammo's running out fast. So we need to learn to use other stuff like swords and axes. Nice. And if you uh if you're paying attention or you're listening, the cover that we're sharing is the audiobook cover, which proudly tells us that this will be performed by Mark Boyette, who's an awesome narrator. What a what a find on that one. He's created some other stuff before. Uh, yeah, he's done some pretty some some good stuff. I like him. Yeah. yeah I recognize that name. Nick? Oh, sorry. I was, I, 
take the cover off, man. I'm getting lost in the chem light there. <laughs> Ranger TV. Um, <laughs> all right, so we covered what makes your series special, and and it does. Um, I really like where your where your thought process is in developing this. Um, tropes. It's a thing that writers do. Uh, what tropes do you feel that uh, Ice Monsters hits the best? Like not always being able to trust your command. Oh, oh I mean, you're speaking my language right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't say I ever had an officer quite as bad as the platoon commander, but I came off the close. Oof. <sighs> Oof, yeah, well, definitely plaster them all over and make you a lot of money. <laughs> the strife that he caused, definitely. Yeah. Um, you want you want to throw his name out there? Really put him to shame? No, we don't want him to get sued. We want him to keep writing books. Oh, <laughs> all right. Message me privately. I got, I got to know. Make sure I, I don't know this guy. But uh, uh, it's it's. Part of the recon creed is, uh, as a recon marine, I will never quit. To be a uh, to be a recon marine is to surpass failure, to adapt, overcome, and do whatever it takes to complete the mission. And that's what these guys have to do. They have to adapt to a situation that none of them ever expected to find themselves in and a set of enemies that are not, like nothing they've ever encountered. And the rules don't that they're used to, even those who are uh, somewhat more human, even those guys, even those guys were veterans, the, the, the rules of war that they're used to don't necessarily apply anymore because some of the stuff that come up against doesn't die honestly when it's shot in the right places. So they got to find other ways to adapt. Right. Furthermore, they've got to figure out, like there's a point towards the beginning where we don't like light at night because we hide in the darkness. That's what recon does. But it's middle of the winter. There's a foot and a half of snow on the ground. They inserted, when they inserted, it was July. They don't have a lot of warming layers. It is fire or death. And they've got to wrap their heads around that and make it happen. Damn, I'm going to sacrifice noise and light discipline so I can keep warm and continue the fight. And live. And live, yeah. 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 It's cold. <laughs> All right. I mean, we, we know this, this book falls into a mill fantasy genre but do you think it fits any subgenres as well well it's technically an action adventure novel a military thriller military fantasy um mythological fantasy story um portal fantasy That's an impressive here. list. That's an impressive list. All right, Doc. So put the knitting down. I'm not knitting. <laughs> so 
you make me sound like an old woman, and I'm going to stab you in your sleep. So well, okay, getting close to bedtime, and it's time for tea, but whatever. You know. Anyway, don't make me make a fireball for you. Why don't you tell us a bit about the main character in this book? Main character is a team leader, uh, and Staff Sergeant Connor McCall. Um, he is a veteran of some action in Syria. And uh, this is not his first float. He's butted heads with his platoon commander before. But uh, what he finds is when he finds himself in this strange, ancient sort of world that in some ways he's a lot more at home here than he was in the real world that he came from. Uh, I think we can all identify that we don't always fit where we start. Um, so do you have any secondary characters, though, that are particularly uh, memorable that won't be a spoiler to tell us about? Uh, some of the some of my favorites would be spoilers, but uh, you got uh, Gunny Taylor, who's the platoon sergeant, and... Uh, Gunny Taylor is somewhat based on one of my platoon sergeants, probably the best platoon sergeant I ever had. Uh, and if there's anybody who's holding the platoon together, as everything gets weird, it's Gunny Taylor. Because despite everything that the captain comes up with, the Marines all respect Duke Gunny Taylor and they'd follow him into hell and back if he went because he's that kind of guy. I think we've all, if you've ever been in the service, there's always that one. Hopefully more than one, but you always find at least one. So, yeah. um, so can you tell us a bit about the villain in this or would that be too much of a spoiler? That might be a little bit too much of a spoiler. Okay. Can you tell us what the because, eyes are in the picture uh, then? Exactly who the bad guys are. Let's just say that they the, the Marines find themselves in an unknown wilderness where they're surrounded by bad guys and worse guys. And they've got to try and navigate that particular snake pit. No, there are not snake people in this one. Just to Just to cover that. It's too cold. So, um, if your characters were to meet you in a back alley, how do you think you'd fare? Given all the torturous things you've done to them by sending them to this ice world full of monsters. Well, they're brother Rico Marine, so hopefully we'd... Uh, At least be able to talk it out a little? Have a drink and go to, go back to work. At most, we might have a fight and then have a drink and go back to work. Could you take your main character? What's that? Could you take your main character in that fight? Yeah, different from me, so probably. <laughs> you like shadow boxing. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, Doc, you get to ask your second favorite question in the interview now. Oh, you just did. Duh. 
I blame Nick for this. I don't know how that's his fault, but we're still going to blame him. We're going uh, to so just say that he threw off your zen or something like that. Be nice yeah, to the guy with the head trauma, Nick. He, he's sending me taunting messages about dirty, nasty legs. It's just not fair. But uh, anyway, so finally, what can you tell us about the universe itself? You have uh, implied that a lot of the mystery involved with some of the bad guys and stuff is... Um, I almost said classified, but it would be spoiler territory. But what can you tell us that wouldn't spoil the story about the world they get sort of thrust into? Well, I probably can say that they, they find that there are there, there are sea trolls in the ocean and they're kind of difficult to kill and they're pretty vicious. And the tribes inland have certain sentinels set up to try and keep the sea trolls back. They don't get along with the sea trolls. All of them are fairly vicious. Um, I borrowed a lot from Indo-European for the names and some of the words that are used with the uh, the tribes that they beat. Um, later on in the series, there's there are names that are borrowed from Gaelic, Finnish, and Estonian, actually. But uh, I wanted all the, I wanted all the names to have a have a meaning, even if I kind of bastardized the the words and names themselves. Okay. But, uh, did did using those names get you any um, angry messages from Mark Boyat when he had to pronounce them? No, actually not. Um, <laughs> I did. I did. There was a a pronunciation guide I had to put together to begin with. And again, some of some of the Gaelic names are bastard Gaelic, so they're a little bit easier than uh, uh, actual straightforward Gaelic, where half the letters aren't pronounced and the other half aren't necessarily pronounced the way they look. Yeah, one of my favorite authors of all time. Her degree was in Slavic languages. She lives Slavic in Ireland. Well, uh, you know. Well, uh, I don't even bother Polish. trying. Polish is pretty bad. Russian's fairly straightforward. If you really, yeah. If you really want to make the narrator mad, use Welsh names because none of that's like it should be. And then he's just going to cry and quit the business. <laughs> but uh, so ice and monsters is go ahead. Oh, so ice and too much page space putting in Welsh names. This is also true. Although I think the large, the longest word known to man is actually in German, if I remember. I think correctly. it's a toss-up between German or Welsh. So German, um, German just tacks on words on top of words on top of words on top of words and calls it all one word. Yeah. Um, so Ice and Monsters is clearly part of a series. We know because it says it on Amazon, and we've talked about that uh, in the pre-show and, and somewhat on the the podcast there's currently only one book out in all formats audiobook ebook paperback uh probably hardback will be coming soon um but what uh where is this story going where do you see this going for the characters well again some of that's getting into spoiler territory particularly for the end of ice and monsters um well do you think it's going to be three or do you think it's going to be more than three i'm hoping it's going to be more than three i've already got uh an arc for at least eight figured out so, so uh so this 
do you think you're going to, and obviously this is pure speculation, people, because you haven't read the other books, but uh, do you plan on sticking in this ice uh, ice and monster world? Or are you going to expand on the wherever the, the continent that they're on? Or are you going to move around, do you think? Well, there, the, there, there's going to be there's going to be some moving around, definitely. There's already some moving around in uh, book two. Okay, that sounds fun. So, um, we all know that every literary universe has its own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and magic. So, what sort of tech uh, and then magic can we expect from this book? The reason I ask the tech is I don't know what era they left from. Is it near future? Way in the future? Um, and then, you know, what sort of magic on the other side? They, they left five minutes into the future. In some ways, in some ways it's recon from today, but in more ways it's, it's recon that I was in just with some of the slightly newer toys, like PVS 15s instead of 14s. I tell some okay. people that I, I did a, uh, a workup with PVS seven Bravos and they look at me like, I'm really like, yeah, that's how poor we were. Um, <laughs> so they got a little bit of the newer toys, but it's, it's very much the, the recon that I, I spent time in. Okay. Um, as for they, they will discover a source of resupply but at the same time they're going to be adapting more to the styles of warfare that they find in this new world and so i have to say that, that is predominantly from a physical uh in a physical form like the aforementioned swords axes um clubs spears what have you uh because when you get into let's just say that uh, sorcery is extremely dangerous okay do you have alchemy um kind of sort of i love alchemy more in okay. a uh, it doesn't really come in in the first book but uh it, it's a little bit more of uh A little bit more is this the kind of thing you might get handed by Legolas or something like that. It's not it's not alchemy as in terms of well we put these sorts of things together. It's these particular people have this stuff, and I'll just kind of leave it at that for right now. I don't want to again. I don't want to get too far into spoiler territory. And there's a lot that happens that uh, between. Like some monsters and shadows and crows. Okay. okay, that's fair. We do not want spoilers in this uh, in this interview, so you'll have to read the book, people, if you want more answers than that. Yeah. All right, Nick, you're up. That means you got to unmute yourself. <laughs> He's Boomer, so what are you gonna do? rookie mistake i am sorry because i had a couple of good jabs at you too that nobody's gonna hear <laughs> all right so of all the tech and magic that you invented for your universe uh which one would you want to have for your daily use i would say the uh <clears throat> 
the item that they don't actually come across until book two, which uh, to use uh, Nick Cole's term, the infinite taco machine. Ooh. You ask it for stuff and it might give it to you. Perpetual tacos. Now I'm hungry. All right. Well, it seems like a silly question now. I mean, how would you abuse that technology? Gold enamel. Attaboy. <laughs> I would have been okay with tacos. Like actual tacos. Yeah, we know, Chair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Well, West, Coast like. West Coast tacos. West Coast tacos. <laughs> uh, I would ask you to fireside chat on tacos, but until then. I'm oh, sure. I am the subject matter expert on tacos, bro. I, JR is just a garbage disposal. He just eats them, he doesn't make them. Yeah, but tacos I'm are just so we're, we're, Nick, Nick, save her from herself and keep going. Yes, sir. <laughs> Ranger that. Uh, does the universe have aliens or fantastical creatures in it? We saw the, the bright lit eyes on the cover. Can you expand yeah, on there that? Are, uh, there are a lot of creatures. Uh, and they're mostly they're from like Norse and uh, Celtic mythology, yeah? Yeah. With some some variations. I mean I, I didn't just I didn't just copy paste. You put some uh, you put some spin on it? Put some spin on them. Uh, particularly the uh, some of them are no two are exactly the same. Okay. So I had to come up. I, I'm continuing to have to come up with descriptions of new and new and strange deformities and such from these uh, these red-eyed things. Well, and, and that's, that's interesting that you said that because it kind of segues into the next question where uh, usually we just talk about how you created these sort of things. And yeah, we know a lot of them came from folklore that, that you researched um, and you put your own spin on there. Now, where did that inspiration to put those spins come from? Was it uh, like nightmares or did you just kind of look at them, you know, realistically how they would develop, you know, like a nature type thing, like how these things would progress in the future? Like, how did that happen? That was a combination of uh, just in some ways reading over the years, uh, looking back into some, some of them I've, I've found by just looking back into some of the old uh, medieval bestiaries where you've got like the, the, the dudes with no head and their face in the middle of their chest. Oh, those are awesome. <laughs> stuff like that and it's just kind of okay how can i change this to make it cool or and or scary because i mean based on where you needed them to be and what you needed yeah, to be right yeah like there, yeah. there's one point where there there are particular there's a particular band of monsters who act as hunters for one of their the uh one of their higher level uh creatures and uh Just so would you, like say, would you say so there's, there's a higher, a hierarchy within the? Would you say there's a hierarchy within the monsters in your universe? Oh yeah, there there's definitely a hierarchy to the point uh, some of them are actually worshipped as gods. Oh, okay, that's awesome. That's great. I so, I ask the tough questions sometimes. 
So is this book? I don't think you're stupid. So I know who you are. Is this written in? Is this written in third person POV or is it first person? No, this is first person from uh, Connor's point of view. Connor, the whole I was just about to ask that. Who's the narrator? Yeah. Is it the whole series going to be from his POV or do you switch that up on later books? So far, the whole series is going to be his point of view. I do a, I don't do a lot of first person and it seems to work. So, Okay. If Connor doesn't die by the end of the series, I'm going to be disappointed. You Wait, no, are. Why did I kill his main character? <laughs> Because he, it, he that that always makes the most interesting character. He's like he goes through all of the trials you and tribulations of Desperate Housewives in the early seasons, didn't you? Don't don't judge me. We don't king shame here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Doc. But yes, I, I'm sorry. It, it it definitely changed how I feel. Like I'm going to kill my main character in my comic book universe here pretty soon. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just because I like a little razzle-dazzle. I don't know. Fair. Okay. So clearly everything's winding down, except for Nick. He's winding himself up again. Um, I like this 2 a.m. Hit me up on Snapchat. This is why you have an OnlyFans. Or my um, OnlyFans, which I, yeah. I always, like, like the other girls say, I always respond to the DMs on my OnlyFans. He's not joking. He actually has one, Peter. Wow. It's all his comments. I have to tell this Nothing. story every episode, don't I? No, was, no. No, it just came on more often. It, it wasn't meant for sexual content. It was meant to get my art out there. I didn't know. I didn't know it was for pounding. <laughs> and here I am getting requests for feet and other weird stuff. And I'm I'm getting to the point now where my bank account is saying, do that. Sell pictures of your feet. I've seen what infantrymen's feet look like, even ones that didn't do a lot of walking. They look like caveman feet, man. Caveman (laughs) feet. We have hairy knuckles on our toes. We look like hobbits. Caveman's foot is a hobbit's foot. It's a hobbit's foot. That's what it is. It's this. And so now that I've muted him. <laughs> is there anything that we didn't cover that I'm you back. Like to talk about? <laughs> uh, without getting into spoiler territory, I don't really think so. I mean, there's there's action, there's gunfights, there's blood and gore, there's scary monsters, there's heroism, there's really cool stuff. So. I'm going to steal JR's next statement, which is always, dear listeners and viewers, please remember to review on the, all the appropriate reviewing platforms. And, um, you know, please be kind, speak your mind. Uh, the right review reviews help the right readers find the right books. And, but, Peter, how can our listeners and fans find you? I do have my own website at AmericanPretorians.com. And I'm also on Facebook, for better or worse, at uh, Pete Neal, an author. And you can also sign up for the newsletter on AmericanPretorians.com. You actually get a, uh, an American Praetorians novella set on Ooh. the uh, border with Mexico when you sign up. Okay. 
So you can find us on our Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Direct all hate mail to Nick Garber at blastersandbladespodcast.com. You can join us for all the shenanigans over there on facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Be sure to put all of your conspiracy theories and predictions for where this universe is going to go in the comment section, and we'll see if we can um, get Peter to admit to something probably not but you can try uh join the discussion over there it's a lot of fun um and if you have any memes where you can make fun of the uh long darts and and you know all those people jumping out of perfectly good airplanes because leg lives matter i'm okay with that too uh you could join our website on anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades at some point this year we do plan on getting up a um spooling up a, an actual proper website but uh that is where all of our podcasts in audio format are hosted um you, again you could support the show at uh the anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades as well for uh as little as 99 cents a month it's a reoccurring basis much like a patreon model and finally you can support the show on buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast i promise i will keep my co-hosts nick garber and doc saska duly intoxicated they will drink until their liver surrenders Never surrender. What the hell is a liver? Uh, I know well, what a liver is. After one month of the ranger bat, I hear they just remove it. Yeah, is along it true? with your they, wisdom teeth. Yeah, they just remove it after the first week. Gone. The they bad boys never kidney. kept theirs. One kidney. All right, well, you know, at least you've got one. It's not mine. I just said I have one of them. Uh, oh, that's a good point. But before we let you go, this is an important question. Might be the most important question. We should put it with the religion question. Peter, how do you feel about pineapples on pizza? Oh, God. I hate this question. It's not the worst thing ever, but it's not great either. Okay. He's a, he's a <laughs> diplomat. I can appreciate that. All right, Doc, bring us home. JR is a nine-year-old boy who's obsessed with pizza. Um, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For the actually here today, Nick Garber, JR, and JR, I am Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Torturing Nick, torturing JR, making fun we of Nick. Remote from St. Augustine, Florida. Um, so I hope you enjoy your time and while we will indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go boom. And of course, torturing JR, because why not? Because it's fun. It wouldn't be a podcast if you didn't. And on that note.